We're going to talk today about the magnificence of Jesus Christ. He's been showing, uh, the Holy Spirit's been showing up and showing off a little bit this morning. Where do you start when you start talking about the, the uh, magnificence of Jesus Christ? You know, you can go to the beginning of the Bible, race all through the whole end of the Bible, and find him on every page in some way. Isn't that true? He's the, prince, he's the pinnacle of humanity. The ultimate success of what a human being can be. When someone ponders the personality, the character, the, the life of Jesus, and it begins to dawn on him who he truly is, it's like spiritual light goes into your, your darkness, into your mental darkness. We become inspired by him. We become intrigued by him. We are drawn to him. We're challenged by him. At the very least, we wonder if anyone could be that wonderful, that magnificent. Paul, in writing the letter of the Colossian church, he caught the magnificence of Christ. Now the Message Bible in Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence, and He holds it all together right now up to this very moment. And when it comes to the church, He organizes and holds it together like a head does the body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From the beginning to the end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe People and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death, his blood that was poured down from the cross. Would you say this with me? He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Hallelujah. So the essence of the kingdom of God is that Father, his, I've said this over and over, but it's Father God wants his kids back. And Jesus came to remove all the hindrances, to return us to Father God so that his love will reign in us because we know him. That's the point. And Jesus, he's not shying away from this in every single way, almost just... Every action and everything he says, he's, he's literally portraying it. Even this, this great prayer in John 17, uh, when he's asking for this unity, he says, I do not ask for these only, the disciples that were there, he says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as Father, you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, 
that they may also be in us. And then he throws this, so that the world will believe that you've sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I live in them, and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Now, the early church fathers, they had this, um, this, these two Greek words that I'm going to put up here, they're actually not uh, in, the, in the Bible, but they were used by the early church fathers to define a theology, ecstasis. Ecstasis, the Greek word is made up of ek, and, which means out, and stasis, which means way of being. So they use this term. It says that, that God's way of being is one that is always going out. Catch this. It's not, it's not going in, it's going out. His way of being is going out in an overflow of personal, communal, and self-giving love. God's way is that he's going out. There's another slide. In other words, God's love is such that he can't keep it to himself. Therefore, he is eternally sharing that love in a personal way. Now, isn't this phenomenal? This is your God. This is our God. You don't have to jump through hoops to get to him. You just receive him. Because you can't jump the hoop Jesus jumped. You can't do that. He makes it where you can draw. He's drawn you to him. If you have any inkling of desire to know anything about him, it's his work. Because the human heart does not, even intuitively knowing is there, has a fear barrier. It's just there. So when he draws you, he's drawing you with tender cords of love. He's doing it. He's the one doing it. And then after a while, you begin to want him. You begin to draw to him. You say, hey, I, I need to know. And it's amazing. It's amazing how many people that they'll, they'll be in their journey of, and says, all I did was, I said, if you're real, show me. Oh, my God. He goes, I'm so glad you asked. And the next thing you know, a series of events start moving and, and people show up in their life and all this stuff. He sets these things together for them. So that's this overflowing, out, get, outflowing love and commitment. In the New Testament, we see that the, the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father and that the Spirit is the manifestation of the shared love between the Father and the Son. In fact, the most you know, famous verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave. That's this verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. There's another word, perichoesis. This word, perichoesis, it can be used to speak of the shared life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It speaks of a mutual indwelling and inner penetration. It describes, next slide, how each person of the Godhead empties himself into the other in a continual act of self-giving. So not only are they flowing out, but into one another. Now, this is literally early church fathers thinking uh, I don't know if this next one, per, perichoresis is explained through the metaphor of a circle dance. Where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are sharing their love in a mutual other-centeredness and self-giving in perfect union and harmony. I was reading this and, and the, something came to mind. 
I danced in the morning when the world has begun. I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun. I came down from heaven and I danced on the earth. At Bethlehem I had my birth. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I'll lead you all. Wherever you may be, I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. I danced for the scribe and the Pharisee, but they would not dance. They would not follow me. I danced for the fishermen, for James and John. They came with me, and the dance went on. I danced on the Sabbath, and I cured the lame. The holy people, they said it was a shame. They whipped and stripped, and they hung me high, and they left me there on the cross to die. I danced on a Friday when the sky turned black. It's hard to dance with the devil on your back. They buried my body, and they thought I'd gone. But I am the dance, and I still go on. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. I'll lead you all wherever you may be. I'll lead you all in the dance, said he. They cut me down, and I leapt up high. I am the life that will never, never die. I live in you if you'll live in me. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes a poem or a song will represent something that's more spiritually attuned to our hearts. But I asked a big question, well, how in the world did he do this? How did he achieve this? How does he do the thing? You know, and, and this is the this this is a little bit of the mystery of the incarnation wrapped up in this and he I don't have the scriptures up here but I have this Hebrews 2 14 through 17 since therefore the children share in flesh and blood he himself likewise partook, uh, partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery but it's surely not the angels that he helps but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Then I put the next, the second, verse 17 up. Therefore, he had to be, to be made like his brothers in every respect. This is the beautiful, magnificent, almost incomprehensible thing. Jesus becomes a human being. so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He comes and he is made like his brothers in every respect. Yet we know that he empties himself of the privileges of being God in the taking on the form of a servant. And then he humbles himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is the Christ. Sinners who have been saved by him know the mercy and the grace they have received from him. A sinner encountering Jesus has an unusual blend of things that happen. Simultaneously, you understand your profound sense of sinfulness, knowing that you're truly lost without him and you could do nothing in your own strength to be saved. That's the first thing. It just comes and you realize I'm lost 
and I can't do anything about it. At the very same time, you also realize that he loves you so deeply and he's done everything for you to make your life right with God. And just, he says, just believe in me. It's the most utterly amazing, most magnificent thing ever. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with the eternal God. He says, you were eternally lost, and now you're eternally found. You've come into relationship with me, and your heart is now filled with my love and my life and my life. And you come in, you receive all that he's done for you. It's a profound thing. It's so... And it's very personal to him. It's so, it's so personal. He gave himself for everyone, but he gave himself, yet he gave himself for you. Everyone, but you. You don't care really about everybody else, but you. And when Jesus comes for everyone, but especially for you, I feel like a little, like a, you know, you're patting the puppy on the head. You know, the, the it's for you part is what drives this deep love within us that he's such a magnificent Savior. He was on the cross. One of the criminals hanging there in Luke 23, 39, it says one of the criminals hanging there hurls insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The other one, however, rebuked him. And he said, don't, don't you fear God? You're receiving the same sentence he did. Ours, however, is only right because we're getting what we deserve for what we did, but he has done no wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come as king. Jesus said, I promise you today you'll be with me in paradise. He's a wonderful Savior. In his dying breath, he snatches his first soul off of the accompanying cross. Oh, what a magnificent Savior we have. Let's say praise the Lord together. Praise the Lord. How many of you know him as Savior? You know Jesus is your Savior, the magnificent Savior. How many of you can recount where you were when he came and got you? What a beautiful story. Lost as a duck in high weeds, you were. Lost out there on your own. Heard this or that. But then he came and Jesus seeks and saves the lost. He comes looking for you. I'm so glad he found me. But he came and he got me because somebody was praying for me. And I asked the Lord that day, who was praying for me? And he said, Marvin Flippin. And I worked for Marvin Flippin two years on a Pepsi-Cola truck during the summer as a teenager. He was the most beautiful, spiritually uplifting man. Never asked me to come to know Jesus, but just interceded for me. Let's take a moment right now and just think of people in your life and say, Father, save them in Jesus' name. Save them. I want to ask the fresh oil to come on your soul where you look and say, you know, look, there's, there's a lot of Pauls on the road to Damascus. Just go ahead and praise him that there's an encounter coming. There's a tsunami of glory coming upon this soul that needs the help. There's a help us on the way as we pray. As we partner with him and pray, as we pray in secret, he does it openly. He says, I'm going to take care of this for you because it's his passion, it's his heart, it's his desire 
that the, those that are like sheep have been drawn away, that he would, they would come into the fellowship of his love, that they would dance the dance and know the love like you're learning to do the steps and to know the depth of his grace inside of you. Aren't you happy about this? Praise you, Lord. How many of you know what it means to be delivered from something? What I mean is that you're bound and you can't set yourself free. It's either some, something where you've had to cry out to Jesus and then he does something and he invites you into this. He sets in motion a process that allows you to participate in bringing something shameful into the light that you would never want to bring into the light, but you bring it into the light because you feel his love is going to be okay. You bring it into the light and he helps you see how powerful he is over everything in your life. And uh, I see, to me, it's this magnificent... There's a couple of things. There's the one of them is that the, the joy of watching him work in depth and deep ways uh, in people's hearts where they have not been touched, where the specific early, typically in childhood, where massive damage has occurred and they've never actually opened up and talked about it. And what happens is that damage sets in motion a cycle of more and more of that same thing coming back around in your life. I just was ministering to somebody recently and I realized something that abuse begets self-abuse. I've never heard anybody say it that way, but it just dawned on me, you know, that the, uh, a person that goes through abuse from another person ends up having a, a sense of worthlessness, a sense of their, their value is taken away. And they feel that uh, they're not important enough. And this is who Jesus comes looking for, see. These are the people. These are the people that were wrecked and ruined that he comes looking for. Aren't you glad that he found you? And like me, you know, you really appreciate it, but there's some aspects of the level of healing that you go kicking and screaming to the operation room. This is going to hurt. So there's something so magnificent about how Jesus has power over the demonic clutches of the souls of mankind. It's just an extraordinary understanding of who he is. And there's something to, to bring to light for him to be able to do this. I, I feel like the Lord just shined the light right on that passage. It's therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Wow. So how was how that happened? And you know, the worst case scenario, I think the worst case scenario we can all look to in the New Testament would probably be for overcoming death. You know, you know say Lazarus would be one where... He's dead for four days. That would be a worst. Case. That would be a bad case scenario. But the one we really, we we really uh, just uh, have a reaction to is when Jesus went to the demoniac. That's the one I think is like really almost a disturbing thing. You know, people read that and go, "Oh my gosh, this guy's nuts." When Jesus had stepped out of the land uh, on the land where he met the man from the city who had demons for a long time, he wore no clothes. He had not lived in a house, but he lived among the tombs. And when Jesus saw him, he, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice saying, What have you done 
to me, Jesus, Son of the Most High. I beg you, do not torment me. Who do you think is talking there? That's the demon powers. But he had commanded the unclean, for he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of him, the man. And for many a time it had seized him, and he kept him under guard and bound him in chains and shackles, but he would break the, the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And then Jesus asked him, what's your name? He said, Legion, for we are many demons. We are many, many demons that entered him. And they begged him not to command them to come in. Uh, they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Seemed like they have their theology right. And so there was this large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, and they gave him, he gave him permission. I think Jesus actually you know, negotiated because they would been really, really, really rough on the guy, you know. I think there was compassion here where he was like, okay, look, these demons really want to tear this guy up. There's a lot in there. But if they'll leave willingly, and I can give them something that's not kosher, According to Jewish law, I think it works out, all right. And they came out of the man, they entered the pigs, and the herd rushed deep into the uh, lake, and they all drowned. What a bad day for the pig owners, yeah. When the, when the herdsmen saw what happened, they fled, and they t told it in the city and in the country, and the people went to see what happened. They came, and they found Jesus, and the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind. And everybody was afraid. <laughs> and those who had seen it told how the demon-possessed man had been healed and uh, then the people of the surrounding country asked him to depart. And they, By the way, when he came back through later, everybody brought everybody. That was the biggest billboard he could have put up that season of the countryside. And God was so delivered, everybody knew the story. It's so powerful. There's power in a testimony. There's power when you say, you know, I used to be really bound by fill in the blank. And I wrestled with it, and I wrestled with it, and I wrestled with it. And Jesus came, and he helped me, and I have been freed from this. There's anointing in that testimony that releases liberty to others, and other people get hope because of you, because of your story. How could he, Jesus even help this man? And I, I think it's because he was made like his brothers in every respect. So I'll just go through this real, kind of just like throwing a stone over the water here. The demonized man wore no clothes. How in the world was Jesus made like his brothers in every respect? Jesus was stripped of all of his clothing at the cross. He was made like his brother who was bound. If you have ever suffered embarrassment in any way and you felt stripped of your dignity by someone and felt ashamed of yourself or done something to dishonor yourself or your family, Jesus was stripped of his dignity in public and he bore your shame so that he could give you back your value. Let's praise the Lord. He became like us so we could become like him. 
The man was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. Hmm. Seems to me that Jesus was made like his brother in every respect. That he was bound, he was under guard and bound with chains and shackles. If your sin has ever become a guard over you, over your life, and you've been bound, and your sin has made you a slave to itself and kept you bound, Jesus was bound, led to death for that sin that you carried to break the power of that sin. Hallelujah. Because he carried it, because even though it was demonic power that broke those chains on that demonized man, Jesus, under the power of God, breaks your chains, sets you free. The demonized man cut himself with stones. There's a generation of people who cut themselves. Just think for a minute of Jesus at the whipping post. He was made in every respect like his brothers. So his body went through. His flesh was cut with stones. If you've ever abused yourself in any way, Jesus has the authority to deliver you because he was abused in your place. Jesus was cut. Do you realize the power of this? Someone who deals with that cutting issue, the Spirit of God comes in and says, Jesus was cut for you. Takes the spirit of that self-destruction right out of him. Just releases it out of him because he stepped into it and he took it on. And he breaks the power of it because he relates to us in every respect. The demonized man cried out and fell down and said, What have you come, you know, what I've had to do to you, Jesus, you son of the Most High? I beg you not to torment me. I was thinking of this the other day. I was realizing, you know, when you have deep, deep love, deep, deep love. And that is removed. It's so agonizing. It's so painful. And I realized something by looking at Jesus upon the cross that this painful moment when the intimacy with the Father that he'd known his entire life was gone. When love has been stolen, when the, when the, when the thing that gives you life, a loss, a deep loss occurs, Jesus steps in. He's, he, he has, he, he has is, is made in like his brothers in every respect because he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize there's not one human emotion that Jesus cannot enter into redemptively and redeem it? There's not one place, not one place where he can extend his authority to. And because he's taken the weight of that, the hurt of that, the depth of that into himself, 
and broken its rule. He's a magnificent deliverer. He's a magnificent deliverer. There's more of these. There's just more of them. Look, the demonized man was tormented by evil spirits. Jesus was mocked and slapped and spit on and his beard was pulled out. I mean, look, the, the torment, he put, they put a crown of thorns on us. Jesus was tormented. So if you've ever been tormented, guess who Jesus took all the torment in himself? Gosh, and he pulls the tormentor right out of you. This is who he is. This is who Jesus is. You got torment? Not anymore. And this, you know, I want to skip a little over these, but gosh, this is too good. It's like, oh my gosh. They said, what's your name? The demons controlling the man responded by saying, the, you know, the name of the demons. The guy didn't even get to get his name out. Do you realize that his identity was absorbed by what the devil said he was? The devil wants your identity to be based on your sin. The devil wants your name you named after your failure. But Jesus was also given a name. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, Pilate put up the king of the Jews as a sign over the cross. Jesus is not just the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. He's got a name, and he's got a name for you, too. He'll actually give you a, he's got a brand new name for each of us. And everywhere your, your identity has been lost to your sin, he says, no, 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 no. I have a new identity for you. Ask, ask Simon, because he was named Peter. He was named the rock. There's people, he'll change your whole identity on the basis of by removing everything that hell has done against you and putting his righteous work inside of you and giving you a fresh start. And Hallelujah. Let's just praise him just for a minute. Hallelujah. He's a magnificent deliverer. He's a magnificent Savior. He breaks the bonds. Praise you, Jesus. I'm going to skip through here and just say this. What plan can stop him? What problem can confuse him? What difficulty can perplex him? What situation can finish him? What weapon can harm him? What setback can hinder him? What obstacle can delay him? What devil can destroy him? What leader can conquer him? What army can defeat him? What country can control him? What kingdom can contain him? What nation is above him? Let me just say there's nobody above him. You don't have a problem. He's not the solution to it. It just doesn't come any other way. Years ago, I'm just blown away that I, 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 I saw the magnificence of the Savior and Redeemer. I saw it. Something, something lit up on the inside of me. And I wrote it all down. And it turned into a song. The lame are leaping. The blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing and the dead are raised. There's beauty for ashes and there's joy for mourning. And for the spirit of heaviness, there's a garment of praise. Come and join the family business. 
people getting whole and free. Come and learn the ways of Jesus. There's a place for you. And there's a place for me. There are people repenting, receiving a cleansing, hidden things renouncing as the enemies flee. God's grace is abounding and His love is surrounding and our praise is resounding. His victory. Come and join the family business. People getting whole and free. Come and learn the ways of Jesus. There's a place for you. There's a place for me. His grace, He's showering. His Spirit empowering and all hell is cowering before the king to the brokenhearted there's healing imparted and new lives have started to dance and sing come and join the family business people getting whole and free come and learn the ways of Jesus there's a place for you there's a place for me let's stand together those praying down front come on down it's been a full and rich morning I just want to say Jesus is so magnificent my prayer is that the word the seed the, 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 there's something of a joyful impartation today and I think it's just that oil of joy there's an oil of joy that the Lord has released today in our midst to say to you that that long season is over. I just saw that the Lord, the adversary had put scales on your eyes. And today he's taken those off. And you're not going to see yourself the way you saw yourself beaten down and discouraged no more that's a work of the spirit let's just let's all just enter in right now to rejoicing for what the Lord is doing in our sister we praise you Lord we praise you Lord because you're seeing you're going to you're starting to see yourself the way Jesus sees you that's redefining who you are. Let's praise, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I feel like you've done, you did everything you could do to get here today. It was not easy. And the Lord's meeting you. You did everything you could. You almost didn't make it. Feel the love of God. Sense the compassion of Jesus, the tender mercies of the one who sees when you're trying and you're all alone. Those scales are coming off today. There's a new definition. Jesus is speaking to you about who you are. Those symptoms are going away. They're going to just begin to ease off of you. You're coming through a healing and it's going to be tremendous and you're going to have energy like you didn't have before. Your immune system is going to be restored. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
It's not just an emotional moment. This is a healing moment. This is a spiritual imparting moment. This is where the Lord works inside of us. He works in us. He does what only He can do. Let's praise Him. Something's strong in the room here. Praise you, Lord. Say, Lord, do in me what I haven't been able to see. Cause me to, let's wear that fresh oil. Let me see what I haven't seen. Let me hear what I haven't heard. Let me know what I haven't known. Let me say what I haven't said. Let me do what I haven't done. Let me go where I haven't gone by the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, put your fresh oil on me, that, that, that miracle-working, powerful fresh oil. Put it in me. Put it upon me. Praise you, Jesus. Um, well, I think um, the devil tried to kick what you were standing on right out from under you. He tried to kick, he tried to remove, tried to knock you down. And you're in the house. And you're not going down. <laughs> tried to knock your legs out from under you, your spiritual walk. He did, didn't he? Hallelujah. Not today, Satan. Not today, devil. The lame are leaping. Hallelujah. Anybody felt like they had their legs knocked out from under? It's restoration day. It's restoration day. Receive it. You're stronger than ever now. Stronger than ever. Than ever before. Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit being alive in us and in our midst. We thank you for the tender mercies. We thank you that you're the God of all comfort. We thank you that you heal us in our afflictions, that we may be least healing to others in their afflictions. We thank you for the blessing of who you are, your magnificent Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We want to be like you. Let's go ahead and tell him, I want to be like you. I'm going to be conformed into the image of Jesus. I'm going to know him. I just saw a brightness that wasn't there before coming on your life. It's like the Lord just released a greater light to go forth from you. you. You're witnessing to this. You sense it. He's already put this. I'm just bearing witness to what the Lord is doing in you. He's releasing a greater light. It is His light. And it's a, uh, it's a, a broader a broader spray of, of, of rays of, uh, of His light coming through your life. Let's praise the Lord, everybody. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Because you've died to some things put some things to death you said no more of this no more of that whatever it is something something has been removed by your willful choice to partner with the lord and now his light is coming this oh man hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah the lord affirms those things in secret he says i saw you there i know what you did in in, in regards to walking with me and decisions you make and in the secrecy of your heart and now I reward you and I release my power in my life through you. Let's praise him again, guys. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we thank you and praise you for your ways are not our ways. You're high above us. We love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Hallelujah. I should say... And in closing, you know, and then go another five minutes to us. <laughs> but I won't. Hallelujah. We don't even use that around.
So, Lord, thank you. We just seal this time in your spirit. We thank you for the refreshing and the work of your spirit in us. We just declare again how magnificent you are, our Lord Jesus Christ, how magnificent you are. We love you with all our hearts. And as we dismiss, there may be something in your heart that when we were looking at how Jesus delivered the demoniac, there might have been some little quickening where the Lord says, I want you to go and agree in prayer and deal with that. So let's go ahead and be dismissed, love on each other, and you follow through with what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. Thank you, Lord. Amen.